Hello and welcome to the words we use. Have you ever struggled with finding the right words to give meaning, depth, and clarity to your message? We have, and that's exactly what we're going to examine. Come along with us as we expand our communication knowledge. TWWU team, please introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Pat. Hi, I'm Sue. Hi, I'm Sarah. Hi, I'm Carissa. Hi, I'm Bill. Hi, I'm Lisa. Hi, I'm Gary. And we are the Word Reviews. You are a public speaker. How is your voice working for you? Is it helping or is it hurting? Jim Emery, known as the Vocal Jim, will answer your questions about how to deliver your words with impact. You don't like the sound of your voice? Jim will show you how to make it sound its best. You don't know how low pitched your voice should be? Jim's easy exercise will, will provide the optimal answer. You're not sure how to deliver your one, big, your one big point so that people will be talking about it afterwards? Jim will share vocal delivery techniques that will bring it home. Be ready to have your, be ready to have your audiences hanging on every word with your new vocal delivery on steroids. Help me please welcome Jim Emery, Vocal Jim. Thank you, Bill. I've been coaching voice for many, many years. I came into that uh, activity like originally from the singing area. I've been oh. a singer my whole life and uh, have been doing voice coaching uh, for singers <clears throat> since the 80s. Uh, and then in the uh, late 90s, I also got into uh, performance judging uh, so that uh, not only was I, I coaching, I was uh, uh, judging contests and, uh, and helping uh, singing groups after that uh, with what I had heard in, in their performance. So uh, I have a good friend. Some of you may know her. Her name is Chris Heater. Chris is a professional speaker, and she's a good friend, uh, actually more of my wife's than mine. Uh, they, they do uh, whitewater canoe teaching together. Uh, but she comes over and socializes with us from time to time. And, uh, and sh every now and then she would talk about uh, some of the challenges she had with particular audience, with particular content in some of the professional speeches she was giving. Uh, and I had a few ideas that I brought in, in uh, from a delivery perspective, largely from my background uh, as a singing coach. And uh, lo and behold, she tried some of them and she said, these are really good. You should, you should get into actually sharing these more with the public speaking world. So I did that and have been, been doing coaching in that area for oh gosh, six to eight years now, <clears throat> and do uh, coaching in, in both arenas. Uh, the, the coaching is a little bit different, uh, but many of the fundamentals are very much the same. Uh, about, uh, I think it was 2017, uh, I gave a, uh, a presentation called uh, Vocal Delivery on Steroids uh, in the Toastmaster world at a district conference uh, and uh, developed a, a, a little more coherent approach, I think, towards delivering these concepts. Uh, and I'll probably be sharing a fair number of those with you today, although maybe they will be more in question uh, responses than in 
uh, delivering the seminar. The seminar by itself is a good 40 minutes. So uh, we would either do that or we do a lot of questions. And I think probably my preference and yours too would be to do some questions. <clears throat> but I, uh, the seminar focused on, uh, on two different aspects of using your voice uh, in performance mode uh, as a public speaker. One is just the voice itself. That is, what does your voice sound like? Does it sound like what you'd like it to? Uh, how do you get it to sound the way you'd like? Uh, and then once you all then sound like uh, Harrison Ford or Oprah Winfrey, uh, then what do you do with that voice in terms of delivery techniques so that it gets your message across more effectively than just the words you wrote out when you were writing down the content for your speech. Uh, and there are a lot of, of factors there too. In the, uh, in the, the basic voice sound, uh, there are five different factors that we may, we may cover all five of them this morning, we may not, um, or this afternoon, I guess it is. Uh, and then I have seven particular factors in terms of delivery skills that we, we may get into most of those before we're done. So that's kind of where I come from. Uh, I focus an awful lot more on uh, performance and delivery skills than I do on content, although I have coached some in the content area as well. But uh, hope, uh, today my guess is that we'll focus an awful lot more on delivery skills uh, and in particular uh, on using the voice uh, as part of that delivery. So certainly uh, you can't give a speech without using your voice and that's, that's the world I live in. Let's have at it. If you've got some questions, Fire them away. I do. I have a question for you right off. And you know, while I was thinking of some questions to ask you, I didn't know. Well, first, let me preface it by saying I didn't realize that you had coached singers yeah. or that you were involved in singing. I didn't know that. And a question came to mind was, well, what does singing and speaking have in common? So my question to you is, what techniques do they have in common to make, to make our voices better? Well, they do have a lot. I, uh, I have everyone in gallery view here. Uh, how many of you do any singing? Does shower count? I mean, yeah, that's what I was going to ask. <laughs> okay. So uh, a lot of the fundamentals are really very much the same. Uh, the, how you get your voice to sound the way you'd like it to sound. An awful lot of that uh, uses the same skill set. Now, speaking is a little bit different in that it's, it's less, I'll use that fancy singing word, it's a little less legato. If you think about you were singing, happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, the sound just kind of keeps going all the time. Where when you're speaking, there are lots of little interruptions. And uh, that's just because the way we speak uh, tends to be a little less legato like a singer would be and a little bit more uh, with little tiny gaps between the words. Uh, but if you look at what makes your voice sound the way you'd like it to sound, a lot of that comes from the same area. Probably the one thing that I have seen hang up speakers and singers uh, or be the ticket to getting exactly the voice they want to is simply breathing. 
and knowing how to breathe in order to get the voice that you want to have uh, while you're speaking. Excuse me, I won't embarrass any of you by having you raise your hand, but if, uh, if any of you work out or do anything that gets your heart rate up, uh, the, you probably have breathed uh, with what I call the athlete's breath. So if, uh, if you get your heart rate up and, and uh, you're, let's say you're jogging or you're doing whatever it is uh, that's kind of got you active, a lot of us will start to breathe, right? And that's pretty normal. In fact, that actually for an athlete is the most efficient way to breathe because as, as an athlete, the breath is primarily to get all of that CO2 out of your lungs and to get new air into your lungs that's laden with oxygen because the oxygen is what you're using for that physical activity that got your heart rate up. Now, unless, unless some of you in your public speaking get your heart rate up, and that's a little less common, we use breathing for a little different basis. We use it to get your voice to sound the way we'd like it to sound. And here, there's a different way of breathing than that. That kind of shallow breathing that an athlete would do. It's a little deeper breathing, and I, I simply call it uh, the speaker's breath or the singer's breath. I'm first going to ask that each of you kind of sit up straight, maybe on the edge of your, of your seat, because it will make this a little bit easier. And then take a breath kind of like the beginning of a yawn, just a nice, easy, open breath. Ah, so that probably should be pretty easy for any of you. We've all yawned for, for sure. Or sometimes if you're, if you're stressed, you'll know, oh yeah, ah, that kind of a breath will help us relax. And relaxation is good, but it also helps fill the lungs in a much uh, a more predictable way. And having a good tank of air in the lungs allows your voice to, to be used in a much more predictable way. I'm going to have, if you're game to try this, uh, you can do it on or off mute. I don't think, it will. but if you take, uh, let's say take a, a kind of a couple quick athlete's breaths, kind of, and then count to five. So we go out loud. So one, two, three, four, five. Okay. Now, we're going to do that again, take kind of a little of that athlete's breath and count to five again. But this time, be really aware of what your voice sounds like, okay? So here's some of the shallow breaths. Count. Okay. So that voice has a particular character. If you want to actually hear it how others hear it, uh, you might actually record it on your phone uh, so you can go back and listen to it after the fact. <laughs> now, <clears throat> to contrast, let's take a, one of those easier kind of full breaths, kind of that relaxed, almost a yawn breath, and then count to five again. So we'll go one, two, three, four, five. Okay, do that again just so you get the handle of a nice, easy, full breath. One, two, three, four, five. Okay. Now, any of you care to share 
did you notice any difference in the sound of your voice? Or did you notice any difference in the ease or lack thereof of delivering the, the, your voice while you were counting one way versus the other way? Yeah, Bill. Yeah, I noticed the um, second time after the long, easy, yawning breath, my voice was a little bit lower. Okay. It wasn't, I didn't feel my throat was as constricted. Yeah. Not that it was terribly constricted with the athlete's breath. Yeah. but I felt it less constricted and much a little bit lower. Yeah, that's pretty normal. Now, one of the nice things about kind of a breath, in addition to giving a good tank of air in your lungs, is it does exactly what you said, Bill, which is it opens and relaxes your throat and your mouth. And a relaxed sound is always going to be preferable and more resonant than one that has tension here. All right, so you might even try uh, putting your hands on the side of your neck here and take one of those athlete's breath and talk. One, two, three, four, five, right? And then do one of those speaker's breaths and do the one, two, three, four, five. Now you may or may not, but some of you may have actually noticed that you feel a little tension here when you're doing the athlete's breath and less when you're doing that speaker's breath. That speaker's breath is really important. Now, if you're doing public speaking, you also know that the pause is your friend. We talk sometimes about using the pause instead of all those filler words, those ums and ands and so's and buts and so on, to simply start, uh, take a pause and then go on from where you were. Well, that pause is a terrific opportunity to take that nice full breath so that when you come back in after the pause, your voice is going to be nice and full and resonant the way it just was the way you experienced there. So pr probably most important thing for how your voice sounds is breathing. Now, there are a couple things that either help or hinder your breathing. Okay, one is tension or relaxation. Now, the nice thing about doing that sort of a yawny breath is it tends to cause you to relax anyway, right? And a relaxed voice is always going to be better sounding, just the raw sound, than a tense voice. But we're going to try a little experiment here. So I want you to take, let's take the athlete's breath because that'll cause some tension, but then we're going to even add a little more tension. So we're going to go. And then I want you to kind of clench here in your throat and count to five. So we'll take that breath, clench, and count. One, two, three, four, five. All right? Now my guess is that that voice had even less resonance than, than the original one with either kind of breath. Right? So tension gets in the way of a nice, full, relaxed sound. Now, um, we have tension in funny places in our bodies, and all of us have them in different places. <clears throat> Most of us actually speak standing up. As I'm looking, we're probably all sitting down here. But uh, um, we're gonna try this. We're gonna take that nice, full, relaxed breath, and then I want you to tense something that isn't here. <clears throat> you can tense your left fist or your right ankle, it really doesn't matter. 
but we'll take a good breath we'll, as if we were ready to talk and then tense something uh, and then do the counting. So here's the breath. Clench and count. One, One two, three, four, five. Oh. All right. What happened to your voice or to the relaxation in this area when you clenched that other thing? Yeah. I, I felt, well, I felt the tension in my shoulders. I clenched uh, something that I have in my hand. All right, yeah. And I felt tension in my shoulders yeah. I, and such that I couldn't feel it in my throat, but I'm sure it translated into my, yeah. my uh, vocal cords. Curiously enough, tension radiates all over your body, all right? So uh, if you were, even if you were standing and I said, uh, clench your left ankle, that's going to radiate to other parts of your body. And in particular, it's going to make it harder to breathe right. So this time, instead of taking the breath first, I want you to clench whatever, or tense, whatever it was that you tensed, and then try to take that, while, while still tense, then try to take that nice relaxed breath. So tense up that something, in my case here it's my fist, and now take that relaxed breath. For most people, it's harder to do that. Right? And so tension can be a real barrier to good breathing. Uh, so, all right, what do you do about tension? Well, getting the right breath is one good approach. But another thing that I've learned over the years is that if you're tense, moving the thing that's tense relaxes it. Right? So for me, the thing that always gets tense for me while I'm speaking, especially standing up, are, are my calves. Uh, the, the back, the backs, you know, the backside of, of where your shins are, and so the easiest thing for me to relieve that tension is to move my calves. Now you don't have to move them very much. One, if I'm talking, I can move around the room a little bit. That will help loosen those calves up. But something just as simple as shifting weight from one to the other will cause a little bit of motion in those calves uh, and will relax them. And if they're relaxed, since they're my usual tension spot, their tension won't radiate to the rest of my body and get in the way of having a nice relaxed voice. So tension can be a real barrier too. And be aware sometime if you're speaking, maybe if you're practice speaking, but if you can't even, you're giving a live speech. Let's see, am I tense somewhere? Uh, and if, the, if you, say, yeah, I am, you know, my shoulders are tense or the back of my neck is tense. Just find an easy way to move that and you'll find that will relax and help you stay relaxed while you're, you're speaking. Now, another thing that gets in the way of breathing is posture, all right? So the, we're gonna do a little experiment here. So I want you to lean back as far as you can in that chair without tipping it over, all right? And now I want you to try to take that nice, full, relaxed breath. All right, and then I want you to kind of sit up straight, maybe on the front edge of your chair and try to take that relaxed breath again. Was one easier than the other? Yeah, posture really makes a difference. And it's true standing as well as sitting. But if you stand up, uh, making sure that your body is kind of straight up and down makes a big difference for 
helping you be able to breathe in a very natural way. So watch your posture too. Your mother probably told you once to stand up straight. <clears throat> she did that because she wanted you to look good. I want you to do that because it'll help you breathe right, which will help your voice. All right, so all of this is largely to try to get more resonance out of your voice. All right, so the, the, how, what did our voice sound like when we took this, the athlete's breath? Well, one, two, three, four, five. If you listen to that voice of mine, it's kind of gravelly and it sounds pretty tense because it is pretty tense, all right? On the other hand, one, two, three, four, five. That has a lot more resonance to it. And what you'll find is that resonance carries to the back of the room, right? So even if you're in a big hall, that resonance will help your voice carry without you having to force speaking loud, right? Because usually forcing loud simply causes more tension, which actually is kind mm -hmm. of, right? So resonance is kind of what we're looking at. Now, one thing, one more experiment here that we're going to do on resonance. Uh, I would, we're going to take, a, we'll be sitting up straight. We'll take that nice, easy, relaxed breath. And then we're going to put on a frowny face. That is, we're going, to, we're going to look really sad. And then we're going to count to five. All right, but everything else is, is done the right way. So here's the breath. And then frown and count. One, two, One, two three, four, five. Okay, do that again and listen to the character of your voice. So good breath, frown. One, two, One, two three, four, five. All right, now we're going to do exactly the same thing that you just did, but this time we're going to put on a smiley face. All right, so we'll take the nice breath and we'll smile and go one, two, three. All right, so here we go. Breathe and smile. One, two, three, two, three four, five. Okay, do that again so you have a feeling of it. Listen to your voice. One, two, one, two three, four, five. Okay, so which of those did you like better? Smile. So, so will your audience. It's, it's funny, the, I could give you the biology, there actually is some, but by lifting the muscles that are on the tops of your cheekbones here, it actually sets up a different resonance area in your mouth that makes your voice more resonant. And psychologically, it also helps other people feel at ease while you're speaking. Now, the trap sometimes is that we may be talking about a serious subject or uh, in the corporate world, maybe you have to go in and you have to give a big presentation in front of the board of the directors and everybody who's important in the entire company is there. So you wanna look really serious. You don't wanna look like you're not taking this seriously. And this is what your voice ends up sounding like. It sounds like you're really serious where you can actually look serious and you can still lift these muscles. See what I'm doing with my, with my cheek muscles here? And you get an awful lot friendlier sound to your voice. And that really is disarming for almost any audience, including your CEO. So get in the habit. Now, if you talk on the phone, yeah, I'm sure most of you do. Okay. People can tell if you're smiling on the other end of the phone, even if they don't see you. Yeah, they can. 
they can. And it just makes the conversation go easier. So smiling can be a really big deal uh, for helping your voice sound better, more resonant, but also friendlier, which is, is more effective as you speak to an audience. Okay. So most of those are, are, those are four different things that will help your voice sound maybe better than it is now, or if you've mastered these already, that will help your voice sound the best that it can. There's one last factor for how your voice sounds that I have found a lot, and I've actually done a lot of coaching on it. Where should it be pitched? High? Should it be low? Should it be in the middle? How, how do you figure that out? Now, what I have found in, in Western cultures in particular, and especially in North America, <laughs> in the U.S. and Canada, is that m when in doubt, most people talk too low. Hmm. And the reason they do that is they've been taught that a low voice commands respect that this kind of a voice is more powerful and will command more respect from other people. So you should really work hard at doing this kind of voice, right? Well, I've looked for at least 10 years, maybe 15 now, trying to find some, some psychological research that says, yeah, that's true, that an audience listens more to you and you command more respect with a low voice. I haven't found a single paper, not one. And what I have found, and I've done some of my own research, uh, YouTube is a great thing these days. You can go and you can, you can find all the famous speakers, the people who are making millions of dollars every year, and you can listen to them. And I have done that, and I've kind of looked to see, so who has a high voice and who has a low voice, and how much money do they make? <laughs> Surprisingly, it's all over the map. If any of you have ever listened to uh, a guy named Zig Ziglar, Z uh, it makes a zillion dollars. I don't know how many dollars, but he's rich. He talks up here most of the time. It's really high. Well, he gets paid just fine, so that must not be hurting his business, right? On the other hand, there are some speakers that have low voices too, but it, it really seems to be more of a crapshoot. Uh, it doesn't seem to be a cause and effect. Uh, and we're coming up on a presidential election, and I did some research on, gee, did the higher voice candidate win or lose? It's all over the map. It really is not at all a reliable predictor. Sometimes it's the higher voice one, sometimes it's the lower one. It doesn't seem to make any, any difference. But what I have found is that the people who always win or the people who are the most effective public speakers are the ones whose voice sounds natural. That is, it doesn't sound affected. Now, I, I used to have a friend years ago uh, that I sang with, and he sold used cars over in St. Paul. And this was back before caller ID or even uh, uh, any way of knowing who was calling uh, you, you would know that. And so I would call him to ask him a question about rehearsal, and he'd answer with his used car salesman. Hello, this is John. And then I would say, hi, John, this is Jim. Oh, hi, Jim. 
he he would go up about four notes on the on the piano because oh hi Jim was his normal voice where hello this is John was his fake voice and what he didn't realize is that people can tell if that voice is fake maybe not consciously but subconsciously if you hear someone who's really pushing their voice down here and I can talk here I know how to do that it sounds fake to them and and if it sounds fake subconsciously your message isn't going to get through either All right so how do you know where your voice should be high or low because it's going to be different for each one of you because each one of you has a different set of vocal cords and a different uh, throat and mouth for your resonating so there's an exercise called active listening any of you ever run across that uh, there was years ago there were there was a book called leadership effectiveness training and another one parent effectiveness training and, and one of the uh, exercises that they they had in there uh, was to do this thing called active listening and that was let's say you want to engage someone else in a conversation and you want them to talk you know maybe they're usually reserved or you just want to hear them the easiest way for you for them to keep talking surprisingly is not for you to shut up because <clears throat> if you go completely silent it kind of creeps a lot of people out and then they get reserved but there's the funny thing that most of us do. It's mm-hmm. What I just did. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So if you're talking to me and I want you to keep talking, and I so every now and then I'll say, mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So what I just did, mm-hmm, just bounded the optimum pitch range for my oh. voice. Uh, when I'm doing my default speaking. So try it. Mm-hmm. 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 The mm-hmm, the mm is lower and the hm is higher. Right? The pitch of the mm, mm-hmm. So for me, mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Right, right about there. If I went to the piano, it would be there. But right about there. If I talk down here, that's lower than that. So I shouldn't go down there all that often. So mm-hmm. There's the high end for me. I could talk up here and it would be just fine. But if I really got up here, that's pretty unnatural and I should reserve that for some special thing, right? So you try that exercise and then see if you can make, you can figure out where the optimum pitch range is for you. Now, why is it important to talk in that range? There's at least two reasons, maybe more. One, is it's easier. Now, the longer you talk, the more endurance is going to be an issue. Uh, and I don't know how long most of you talk, but if you're giving 20, 30, 45 minute speeches, uh, endurance can be a real thing. And if you're talking in that really good range for your voice, it's going to take much less effort. So you'll get much less tired in this area here. And you'll be able to go an hour without getting tired. And that can be really important uh, if you do much speaking. Like if you want to come back the next day or if you have to give two speeches in the same day, uh, you're going to want to use that pitch range. Now the other reason is if I'm talking, this is pretty much my default optimum pitch range that I'm talking in now. Every now and then 
I may want to go down here to make a point, right? Mm -hmm. Well, if I'm already talking down there, I can't go any lower. <laughs> so if I'm talking kind of in the middle pitch range for my voice, most of the time as sort of the default, now <laughs> I can go down there and it'll work just fine uh, to make a point, right? Or, whoa, no, I could go way up there just to make a point, right? because I'm not already there so that I can't, I can't go any higher. So usually being kind of in the middle of where your, your pitch range is for your voice is gonna be both easiest for you to use it and also allows you a lot of flexibility for things you can do in your delivery. Hey that, Jim, I have a question. Yeah. How did they figure out the mm-hmm? <laughs> Beats me. <laughs> I, oh, okay. I don't know. Somebody smarter than me figured that out. I read. I have read that in several different places, though. Uh, some other people will talk about just talking kind of in the middle of your pitch range, rather than way down at the bottom or way up at the top, uh, and that can be a way there. But the mm -hmm, uh, is a good way to f kind of find the range, but that says mm, right about here is fine, and right about here is fine too. And that allows you as a speaker to say, I can still change the pitch of my voice, but stay kind of within the bounds of where it really ought to be and use out of those bounds only on special occasions for something that I want to use, okay? Yeah, other questions, because this kind of covers a lot of the, how do you get your voice to sound the best? So we talked about breathing and relaxation and posture and resonance in general, which included smiling, uh, mm -hmm. pitch. All of those things will help your voice sound the best that it can sound. Uh, Lisa. Yes, Jim. I have mastered the art of muttering and I tend to have a monotone voice. Uh -huh. So how do you project your voice, but yet how do you go from being monotone to not being like over the top, like you're just, you know, jumping out of a cake where it doesn't, where it sounds over exaggerated. Any tips or tricks? Yeah, it's an excellent question. The, um, as we look at, um, independent of what your voice sounds like to questions about, okay, now that it sounds really well, what do we do delivery wise? And this is more a delivery question uh, than that. So let's, let's talk about that because pitch is both the, how does it sound the best? And also how do I get the, the most effect out of it? <clears throat> the curious thing for pitch <clears throat> is that pitch helps you get meaning to your sentences. All right, so let, let me give you an example. <laughs> let's say, uh, what's my usual example? Let's say, I am excited. Okay, that's just three words, a declarative sentence, right? Now, <clears throat> I can change the pitch of those individual words to give the sentence completely different meaning. Mm -hmm. I could just say, I am excited. Okay, right? I, or I could say, I am excited. That has a little different meaning. It, it may mean that uh, nobody in the room is excited, but you want to make sure that somebody knows that you are. I am excited. On the other, so what did I do? I actually raised the pitch of I, 
<laughs> to give it a slightly different meaning. Now, is that always going to work for raising the pitch? Well, here's a different way of raising the pitch. I am excited. Wow, that means something completely different, doesn't it? My voice <clears throat> started low and went high and then stayed up there. And all of a sudden it turned into a question, right? If I said, I am excited, that's positive. I really am. If I say, I am excited, that's negative. That means, are you crazy? <laughs> that, I'm, <laughs> I'm not excited at all. I don't know why anybody else would be, right? So you can actually get different meaning by pitch. You can do that with every word in that sentence. I am excited. I am excited. I am excited. Each of those means something different. And then my favorite, I call it the ER voice. I am excited. <laughs> right. Most of you know who Eeyore is in the Winnie the Pooh characters, right? I am excited. Clearly he's not. <clears throat> right. So what I would do is I would look at using pitch as a way of clarifying the meaning of the words that you're delivering. Right. So uh, what might be an example? Well, some of the I am excited is an, is an example. Uh, even the question that I just had there. Well, what might be an example? Well, what might be an example? Well, what might be an example? Uh, it has kind of completely different meaning. So use pitch to help you yourself be more expressive rather than looking at pitch as a threat of something to get past, right? I think a lot of people who, who have trouble uh, that maybe their pitch stays relatively constant are thinking too much maybe about their content and uh, or maybe thinking too much about oh my voice uh, rather than thinking about being expressive so if you look at how am I going to be expressive in the next sentence let's say uh, let's say you're a sales manager and you've got a new product you're rolling out uh, I look at my, my example here. You might say something like, uh, we have the people, we have the tools, we have the desire, and we will do this. You see how much different my pitch was there? But I didn't actually have to tell myself, I'm going to change the pitch this way. I allowed the emotion of the message to help me do that. So I don't know if that answers your question. Mm -hmm. but, but more often than not, I think I would look at and your, the emotional content of your message and trying to bring that across then worrying particularly about, let's see, this is what I'm going to do to make my voice stop being like this all the time. You mentioned at the beginning of your presentation that our voices would sound like Harrison Ford or Oprah Winfrey. Um, Harrison Ford wouldn't be bad and I don't know that I'd want to sound like Oprah, but I'm kind of partial to James Earl Jones, you know, Darth Vader. Yeah, would, um, you, would you want to give a speech on that voice? Boy, if I had that kind of resonance, you bet. But that would be a very hard thing to maintain. It would. It would be hard for me as well. Now, James Earl Jones uses the voice he has, right? Uh, he, he was born with a, with a big, boomy, low voice, right? Now, he may have done a, a lot of work to get it there as well, but my... But, 
it's not forced like it would be if I were to try to make that sound. But equally well, if he were to try to talk in the pitch that I'm talking, he would have as much difficulty as I would talking in his pitch range. Well, what I'm trying to figure out is um, beyond formal presentations like we do in Toastmasters and that we might do occasionally at work, does this have any other added benefits? Maybe in a job interview or sure, just sure. casual conversation? You know, the, the interesting thing about your voice is every time you're using it, you're communicating to someone. And so the, the, the more the voice is expressive and communicates what you want it to communicate, it almost doesn't matter who your audience is. <clears throat> Right. If you're at the bar, you may have to talk a little louder uh, to get over the to get over the noise. I'm not going to bars much these days. Uh, I, I hope that maybe one day in a year or two that I'll be able to go back and, and not worry about getting sick. Uh, but you know what it's like to talk over noise. That can be that can be really hard. Curiously enough, talking in a James Earl Jones voice won't carry very well in a bar. Um, because the lower frequencies don't carry, as well as the higher frequencies, which do, right? So you might say, well, you know, in a really noisy environment, you might actually want to talk a little, a little higher than you would normally. You might also find that the kind of voice you use um, depends on the audience and the situation. Let me give you an example. Uh, let's say that you you uh you have a baby in front of you and your responsibility is to put that baby to sleep and make sure that the baby doesn't get agitated and uh simply drops off to sleep uh, in a nice relaxed way now you listen to what i've done with my voice right first i've kind of taken the edge off it uh, and made it sound a little more relaxed. Uh, it probably doesn't carry to the back of the room like Lisa was asking about, but the situation is quite different here, right? Now, I also kind of went down pitch-wise a little bit uh, relative to where my, my normal audience uh, speaking would be. And again, it's because those low-frequency sounds tend to be a little more soothing than the higher ones. So uh, yeah, you could use different, a different voice depending on the situation. But I'll give you a hint, if, if you're speaking and you're, you're not taking that good breath, by the time you've been speaking for 20 minutes, especially like in a noisy environment, your voice is gonna be really sore. Uh, and so these kind of techniques can really help you no matter where and to whom you're speaking. Does that help? Yeah. yeah. All right. So the, all of these are focusing kind of on the what your voice sounds like. Let's talk a little bit about uh, some tech, some uh, delivery techniques. Uh, one in particular that I'd love to share with you. Uh, it's a little exercise we'll do here. A friend of mine uh, once taught me, and I've used it ever since. Uh, his saying, I'm sure he stole this from someone. He said that beauty is in the vowels and passion is in the consonants. Now, most of you may have uh, hey, had- Jim, you cut out when you said, talked about the vowels. Could you repeat that, please? Yeah, beauty 
is in the vowels. Passion is in the consonants. Right? So uh, probably back in English class many years ago, we all learned what vowels and consonants are. Uh, and in history class, you may have, have learned a little bit of a speech given by Patrick Henry. The last line of which was, give me liberty or give me death. Most of you remember that one, <clears throat> right? So he was, he was passionate, and his whole point was he was trying to rabble-rouse the Virginia legislature into authorizing military confrontation with the British, where most of the ones in the room didn't. He had to motivate them. He had to bring his own passion so that they would bring passion. Now, he could have done that a number of ways. He could have just done it louder. Give me liberty or give me death. But a better way for showing passion is by using the consonants themselves. <clears throat> so let's say you've got, I shouted a little too much. Let's say that you come to a particular spot in your speech that you want to show some passion. Let's look at, at Patrick Henry's speech and let's look at the initial consonants of four words. Give me, well skip me actually, give me liberty or give me death. So two gives, a liberty and a death. If we do the G on the beginning of give, the difference between give and give, hear the difference? Give with a really hard G on the front, that is going to bring passion to that word. Right? Give me liberty or give me death. It's already sounding more passion, right? Uh, death is another hard consonant, so we could do death instead of death. All right. Now, if we were all in a room, part of the exercise is I would get you chanting death, 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 and make a joke about uh, that security's been called. But we're all in our own homes now, so it doesn't matter. Now. So give and death both start with what I call a hard consonant. And you can accentuate that hard consonant. Death brings passion to the, to the message. Unfortunately, there are a set of consonants that I call singable consonants. They're consonants that you could sing happy birthday on. And L, like the beginning of liberty, is one of them. Oh, I can sing happy birthday on L, or I can't do that on D, right? So the singables, instead of making them more accentuated or louder, liberty, that would be really weird. You make them longer, right? See what I just did with the L, longer? If you make it longer, it has the same impact as the more accented hard consonant does. So if you look at give me liberty and give me death, give me liberty or give me death. You could do that soft and it still has passion. Give liberty or give me death. See, the passion is still there. So you can use consonants to really bring passion to your message. Now, are you going to do that all of the time? No, it would be pretty weird, wouldn't it? <laughs> so use, yeah. this, use this kind of when you need it, not all the time, uh, because you're not going to be passionate all the time, uh, uh, or your audience will just get really tired, or they'll think you're really weird. Um, I am um, 
did some research and tried to make the uh, whisper voice versus um, a normal talking voice. And do you have any suggestions for that? Yeah, volume of your voice is a really interesting thing. Your normal volume just needs to be loud enough that everybody can hear, right? If your normal volume doesn't carry to the back of the room, uh, people in the back of the room will get bored, right? If your normal volume is so loud that the people in the front of the room are putting their hands over their ears, right, that, that doesn't work very well either, right? So you have kind of a normal volume, but you're right. A little whisper now and then can be really effective. Right. So what I did was I got my voice really quiet, put that little whisper uh, character on it, and all of a sudden everybody gets up on the front of their seat. So your research is exactly right on. That whisper can be really effective. Now, just like the diction thing earlier, you don't want to whisper through your whole speech because that won't that just won't work. People won't, won't get it. But every now and then, if you really want to suck someone in. It's almost like you're telling them you've got a secret, right? Mm -hmm. we'll bring them right. in in a way that just talking won't. So yeah, great point, great point. Let's talk about how fast should you talk? Well, that's a good one. <laughs> right? Some of us talk fast, some of us talk slow. I would say your default speed unless you find people can't keep up with you or people get bored listening to you, your default speed is whatever works for you, right? Now that doesn't mean though that you can't change it, right? Mm -hmm. I would say take delivery speed as what's natural for you as long as you think that it's working for your audience. And you can ask your audience or while you're speaking, you can kind of watch are people kind of having trouble keeping up or, or, or not, or are they, Kind of leaning back and saying, yeah, get on with it, right? But nor use your normal delivery speed because that's the way you talk. But every now and then, you might slow down just to break up the monotony of it. It's kind of like Lisa's question about pitch monotony. There can be a delivery speed monotony too that after a while, you really need to change it up a little bit. If you want to show excitement, you could really go fast. You could show people how incredibly excited you are, right? Which is faster than your speed. Or every now and then, you want to make sure they're listening, right? So you can slow down just to make sure. And the variety of, of delivery speeds can help too, right? Any of you ever have someone accuse you of mumbling, you don't have to raise your hand, um, right? Mumbling uh, has two causes that I know of. Uh, are any of you, uh, are all of you native English speakers or is English a second language for any of you? All native, I'm guessing, looking at the- We're all native. Yeah, all right. So uh, there's, there is a habit. I find it in teenagers a lot, but sometimes, we don't grow out of it. We, uh, we keep that teenage habit. But I also find it in people where English is a second language. We drop syllables, <clears throat> all right? So let's, I'm gonna say we drop syllables. See what I just did? I dropped the middle syllable of syllable. If I said we drop syllables, right? I was speaking 
kind of what might be normal, but you might have strained to figure out, well, what was that word, syllable? So what is that, right? Uh, so we drop syllables along the way. So a good exercise sometimes, and you can just pick up a book and read it out loud, is to get in the habit of speaking every syllable of every word that you're speaking. And you don't have to overdo it. Just make sure that they're all there. There is a difference between syllable and syllable, right? Uh, it doesn't have to be that really deliberate one, but syllable is mumbling, right? The other thing that causes the perception of mumbling is lack of consonants. So we did the give me liberty or give me death, right? Uh, on the other hand, if I said, give me liberty or give me death, right, there were almost no syllables in there, and you probably would have a tough time understanding what those words were. So the vowels are what carry your voice, but the syllables are what makes, or the consonants, I'm sorry, the consonants are what make all of the words understandable, right? So I could say understandable, or I could say understandable, right? And one had consonants and the other didn't. Uh, and the one that had consonants uh, in it, and I could hear them, you, your audience will figure that out. Yeah, Gary. Say that again. Give me liberty or give me death. Real quick. Say that oh, again. Here's, here's my ideal, right? Give me liberty or give me death. All right. The reason I asked was a couple times I thought, I swore I could have heard you say, give me. Sure, and that's exactly right. If and that might be my my bad habit, right? If I took the V out of give, right, then I've I may be passionate, but I may be a passionate mumbler. Yeah. <laughs> right? So there is a difference between give me and gimme, right? Even if the G is hard. Yeah, good, good, good ear there, Gary. So diction can be really critical uh, for understandability. Curiously enough, the bigger the room, the more your diction has to be crisp. And the reason for that is that the frequencies of your voice that are in the vowels carry to the back of the room more easily than the frequencies of the consonants. The frequencies of the consonants, if you're a tech geek, are up about 3,000 hertz where the frequencies of your voice are down in the hundreds of hertz and they carry better, which is kind of why the bass on the stereo of the car, of the teenage car that just drove by you always sounds like it's way higher than the treble is because that bass carries better. My husband reminded me that because we don't have good speakers on our iPads or computers, that sometimes it, freezes what you're saying freezes and then people catch up with it and get the gist of the conversation yeah zoom can be can be a, a, yeah. yeah zoom can be a challenge we could do a whole nother uh session on how to set the the audio settings on your your uh, zoom device so that you minimize that but that would be another 20 minutes <laughs> maybe another day Yes, absolutely. I would be interested. One other thing that maybe I might leave you with is how do you know if you're doing the right stuff with your voice? I mean, you, I mean, we did some of the exercises earlier. You could tell the difference in what your voice sounded like 
kind of the before and after of different things that we did. So how do you know if you're using the after, the good one, while you're giving a speech? Well, how many of you have one of these, right? <laughs> a smartphone, right? And every smartphone can record, right? Record yourself all the time. Hopefully, if, if you practice your speeches, rather than just you kind of get it in your head and you give it once and that's all you ever do. If you practice your speeches, record and listen to the practice and see, oh, I get it. Uh, Lisa, you'll say, you know, I wasn't very expressive there and I lapsed into that kind of monotone thing. So I'm going to work on my expressiveness. And I might get there by looking at my diction as a way of getting expressive and see if maybe that changes it. Or maybe I'm dropping uh, consonants and turning into a mumbler. Uh, the, there's nothing better than listening to a recording of yourself to hear uh, what, what it sounds like. Uh, record, 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 and that, you'll be your own best coach you know, by doing that. So uh, I, I would be obnoxious and say, everyone raise their right hand and pledge that I will record and practice all the time and listen to my recordings. I, but but do that. It will really help you uh, because you can hear, you, you'll be your own worst critic in some respects, but you can also hear the difference if you're going to try something. If you're going to try some of those passionate consonants, well, record it and see what it sounds like and see if you liked what it sounded like. Or if you really think you prefer that low voice, well, try giving a speech down in that low voice and then try giving it in the kind of the mm-hmm pitch range and compare the two and see what you like better. Right? But I think what you'll find is that if you, if you work on some of the things that we've talked about here the, uh, this afternoon and you kind of do that religiously and, and practice it, hopefully you will love the results. <laughs> Well, thank, thanks for, for having me in. I'd love to come back anytime. Uh, if you want to know more about what I do uh, uh, as a coach, uh, per se, you can look at my website or my Facebook site or my LinkedIn site, any of those. Um, but mostly, I'm not, uh, I'm not hustling coaching here. Uh, what I would love to do is to just help uh, any of you that, that you have something you'd like to get better at, and particularly if it revolves around how you use your voice. Thank you for listening to the words we use. Own your voice and make your words matter. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and review.